0: Bibles, if you would, find the New Testament book of Acts, Acts chapter 1. We're going to be reading verses 12 through 25 here in just a moment. Thank you uh, to Bo, Aaron, and Mary. Thank you for this, uh, the three amigos. Thank you for bringing us and leading us in worship today. We appreciate that fact uh, that you have done that. We're in Acts chapter 1, beginning verse 12 here in just a few moments. We'll be reading this passage. It began with one. On the other side of the world, then it spread, and then there were about a dozen. Then, after about a dozen, there were about a hundred and twenty identified who had it. It really wasn't just, but a few days until there were three thousand, and 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 then it was five thousand who had it, and then it spread to Asia, into Europe, parts of Africa. And finally, to the Western Hemisphere, to our part of the world, at least for now, it has changed our world because of the ones who have it. Well, what's the it? It is not the coronavirus. Instead, it is the Christ, Son of the living God, the good news of the gospel that has continued to spread for the last 2,000 years. I'm pretty sure that this crisis that we're going through. I'm pretty sure it's going to be short-lived. But we're told the spread of the good news of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will continue to be spread and will continue to go and to grow until Christ returns. I want you, if you got your Bibles open to Acts chapter 1, in my Bible you would have to turn one page and you would find John chapter 20 and verse 19. John 20 and verse 19. I just want you to notice that verse and it's on the screen there as well. And, but you could look at that. It says, On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for the fear of the Jews. The disciples were self isolated because of fear. Now, hear me today but to be isolated, to stay in. Uh, To not go out to make that decision does not necessarily mean fear for physical reasons. You understand that today. But the disciples, they were isolated because of fear. Now look at Acts chapter 1 and verse 12. We'll read verses 12 through 14 to begin with. It says, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot and Judas the son of James. And all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and his brothers. These disciples also were self-isolated for a time, but it doesn't sound fearful. In fact, they're unified and they're devoting themselves to prayer Well, what's the difference? It's the presence of the resurrected Lord Jesus. Now, if you would turn back to John chapter 20 and verse 19, and let's read that again and read the couple of verses after that. John 20, 19, remember, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, "'Peace be with you.' When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his sides. The disciples were glad when they saw the Lord." Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. How we face each day or how we face each crisis in our lives will be determined by our resolve to follow Jesus and allow Jesus to rule instead of fear or anxiety. In Acts chapter 1, the disciples and other followers were in crisis mode. It was an unknown future. Jesus, who had been resurrected, seen for 40 days, he had ascended to heaven, and they were waiting for the Holy Spirit. But let's go ahead and read what they were doing while they were waiting. Verse 15 and following. Acts chapter 1, verse 15 says this, "...in those days Peter Peter stood among the brothers, the company of persons, who in all was about 120, and said, Brothers, the Scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand, by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus." For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. Verse 18 reads, Now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness. And falling headlong, he burst open in the middle of all his bowels gushed out. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that on that field was called in their own language a geltama, that is, field of blood. For it's written in the book of Psalms, May his camp become desolate and let there be no one to dwell in it and let another take his office. So none of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us are one of the men who accompanied all of us during the time the Lord went out and among us. Verse 22, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us as a witness to his resurrection. And they put forward two, Joseph, called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice and Matthias, And they prayed said, Lord, you know the hearts of all. Show us which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven disciples. The seriousness of the spread of the virus has become real and present in these last few days. But i got to tell you, I did not know how real it was until they closed Disney World. The place that never closes, closed. And I thought, now this is really serious if they're closing Disney World. It reminded me of a story of a pastor that I knew who was out in the Midwest who decided to surprise his children with the Disney World vacation. Some of you may have done this very thing to where you go on vacation like you're going to one place they go to another. Told his children they were going to Junction City, Kansas for vacation to where his father had pastored they were going to see that old church and and even the kids trusting the dad you know what he was saying that the uh, kids even told his friends we're going to junction city kansas for vacation it'll be great and even on the long ride to junction city all oh, the dad talked it up he said oh we go to junction city He said they got playgrounds there so they got a swimming pool at the hotel we're going to stay at they, they've got an ice cream stand they might even have bowling and sure enough, he planned to stay there for at least an afternoon and then go on to the glories of Disney World. But as he came and uh, they saw where the granddad's church was and they were going to the hotel to be able to check in, and the kids were thinking about swimming, and they decided to drop the bombshell. He said, You know, it's kind of boring here in Kansas. Why don't we go ahead and just drive on to Disney World? And at that time, mom pulled out four already uh, Mickey Mouse hats already with their names stamped on the front of them. But it backfired. The kid said, oh, who wants to get back in the minivan? You told us we could go swimming. You promised. Oh, we thought we were going to go bowling. All it backfired on them instead. And they went ahead and drove to Disney World, but he smoldered all the way, thinking how he thought this was going to go a different direction as the kids continued to expand on the advantages of Junction City over Disney World. C.S. Lewis, I love this statement from C.S. Lewis. I probably have used it before, but he says, We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. See, our desires are too small. We stomp our feet and insist on a merry-go-round in Junction City when Disney World Space Mountain lies just down the road. How about you when it comes to trusting and serving God regardless of what the future holds are you in it for good or when crisis comes are you ready to trust in Him because you know that there's something better to come so I'm encouraging you this morning don't settle for something less. Many believers begin their journey pretty good. There's joy and excitement maybe when we first become believers in the Lord Jesus but many maybe even most stop somewhere along the way Maybe because we're enamored by something that this world has to offer instead of thinking what the Lord has to offer. Or maybe because of wrong choices and sin in our life that we continue to make a habit of our life instead of giving it over to the Lord Jesus. Or maybe because of some crisis that has caused us to be in fear or anxiety and we are no longer ready to accept all the good things that the Lord has in store. But all the Lord has so much more. So much more for us if we'll stick with trusting in Him. These disciples and others had just experienced a particularly significant event, not to mention the three years in ministry in which people were miraculously healed of leprosy and diseases. The lame walked, the blind could see, the water turned into wine, dead came back to life. Lives are radically changed with the good news of of the gospel. Then they had watched Jesus being arrested and tortured, beaten and mocked. He was taken to Calvary and died on Calvary's cross. Then he rose again the third day and was seen for 40 days on earth. Now, in the continuation of miraculous things that Jesus had done there before them, Jesus ascended, defied gravity before the very eyes, to be taken to the clouds to, to the throne of heaven. We're told about that in these first 10 verses, first 11 verses in Acts chapter one. And Jesus gave them final instructions which included waiting until the coming of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2 tells us of the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. This last half of Acts chapter 1 is a transition time between the ascension of Christ and the coming of the Holy Spirit on all believers. During this transition time, self-isolated waiting time, we get a glimpse of the difference Jesus has made in the life of Peter and the lives of those believers who had experienced the life, death, and the resurrection of Jesus. What we're going to see this morning, these next few minutes together, if we pay attention, are the qualities of Christ followers, qualities of Christians that will help us in this crisis or any crisis that we might face. I'm going to give you some of those qualities, I believe, found in this Scripture. And we're going to make them in first person, so as we do, we want you to make them personal. And the first one is this, I'm counted with genuine believers. I'm counted among the genuine believers. Now, As we do this, let me just encourage you maybe to not just see the list. You feel free to write it down if you'd like, but maybe to evaluate. Okay, is this me? This is definitely me. It's not me. It needs to be me. So on this one, I'm counted among genuine believers. After the ascension, they go to the upper room as instructed by Jesus. And the writer of Acts, Dr. Luke, he tells us who's present. We read it a moment ago. Eleven disciples are mentioned. Peter, James, and John are first. Judas is the last one mentioned, not the Judas who, of course, betrayed Jesus, but the other Judas who was a disciple, maybe to remind us that that Judas was not there. The women are there. Several of them are named, or we know them from before. Several Marys, there's a Martha. They are the ones at the cross They also came to the empty tomb. Mary, the mother of Jesus, particularly is mentioned, you know, she was there at the cradle. She's at the cross, shows up many times in between. At times we've wondered about her role, but there's no doubt she's counted among the 120 believers who are in the upper room. Jesus' brothers were there, half-brothers. Now, they definitely were not believers before the resurrection, but in the last 40 days they've become believers, and here they are in the upper room. In fact, Mark chapter 6 and verse 3 gives us their names. James, Joseph, Jude, and Simon. James is the pastor, becomes the pastor of the Jerusalem church. Jude wrote the second to the last book of the Bible. They at one time did not believe, but now they are part of the 120, the genuine believers. 120 in all. Well, who are the 120? We know of the 11. A dozen women are mentioned who seem to be close followers in the Gospels, including Mary. At least four brothers. Well, that's about 20 or 25 Who are the other 90 to 100 folks that are in that room, in that upper room in Jerusalem, self-isolated, not by themselves, but with 120 that are there? Hey, it's just us today, so go ahead and use your imagination for just a moment. Look around that room, the upper room. Who do you see? (laughs) Well, goes without saying, the short guy. He's Zacchaeus. We recognize that he's there. Look, there's the... uh, there's the one who was the Jewish synagogue leader and the Roman centurion. There they are standing together. There's the woman who was, uh, had that blood disease, and the Samaritan woman at the well, there they are sitting together. There's blind Bartimaeus, he's not blind anymore. Simon the leper, he's not a leper anymore. There's that, there's that lame man, oh, what's his name? You remember that was carried by his four friends up, let down on the roof? There he is in that room along with his four friends who all had faith. They're all standing together because he's not lame anymore. And there's Lazarus. Guess what? He's there, but he's not dead anymore. And others who were healed, and some in whom demons were cast out, Jesus touched and changed their lives. Now understand, not everybody that was healed became a believer in the Lord Jesus. Jesus went into some cities and said he healed everybody in the city. In fact, I would say... Most people who were healed by Jesus did not become believers, but some did. And there are others. We don't know their story of how they met Jesus. Two of them are mentioned in verse 23 that we mentioned a moment ago, Joseph and Matthias, and we'll learn more about them. We'll talk about them in just a moment, but you still got your imaginations on. Well, we might could imagine, we might have been surprised, but maybe not so much could it be that Nicodemus is in that room you remember Nicodemus from John chapter 3 the one whom Jesus said who came at night we call him Nick at night the one who said Jesus told him you must be born again and whosoever believes shall not perish but have everlasting life if you don't remember Nicodemus you certainly remember what Jesus told Nicodemus and he left that room we didn't know if he became a believer but if Nicodemus is in that room then he's a believer of the Lord Jesus how do we know because it says here the Bible says that Peter stood up amongst the believers and there were about 120 of them. Now the Bible doesn't say that all the believers who were in Palestine who are alive today were in that upper room. This may have just been a portion. But all those who were there were genuine believers. So here's the question we ask. If we all got together, all the genuine believers today in one room, it'd have to be a big room, of course, but all together said these were all believers all in one room, would you be among that number? I don't mean that you think you might or even you hope so but not sure, but do you know that you know? And how can you know for sure? What if I could tell you that I could peer into your heart and be able to see the, whether the Spirit of Jesus lived in you? Or what if I could go up to heaven and I could be able to, at least for a moment, be able to open the Lamb's Book of Life and see if your name was in it? I'd probably look at the R's first to check out the Redmonds, you understand, but if I could do that, but I can't do that. But what I can do is point you to Scripture. John 1.12 says, Yet to all who received Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. Your salvation is not based on feelings. Your feelings will change. It's based on fact that's given by fa- driven by faith. That by grace, Jesus forgives sins and becomes Savior and Lord of all those who genuinely call on Him. They were not saved because they were in that upper room. Just like you're not saved because you come to church, but God was preparing them to be a people who changed the world and went the distance, a people who were in it for good and were ready with God's help to face any crisis. So if you and I are going to make it through, for are in this thing of following God's will for keeps. We'll not make it if we do not know know that we know we're part of and we're counted with the believers. Now I'm not talking about having doubts. For most of us, doubts are very natural. Take your doubts to God in prayer and to Scripture and may it strengthen your resolve to serve Him. For those of you that are not sure, church member or not, fear will likely reign over faith until you get this right, until you know that you're accounted among believers. Oh, I thought... If you're following 40 days of prayer, and let me encourage you to continue the 40 days of prayer. We were doing that for our Responding in Faith campaign, but if you go back and you look at it, it may be that it was providential that we needed to be part of this 40 days of prayer. with these particular scriptures and what we are asked to pray for, maybe for the crisis that we are facing today? Take a look. Do we have that on? We may have today's on there. We may not. I'll be glad to read it to you. Oh, that is it. Okay, I was looking for it to look like it did on the But here was the verse for today. We're day 35. When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise. In God, trust, I shall not be afraid. In God, I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to to me? And this is the prayer for today. Ask God to strengthen your trust in Him, no matter what others say or do to us. Ask God, believer in the Lord Jesus, to strengthen your faith. And your trust in Him. Okay, qualities, another. I wait and seek direction from the Holy Spirit. I wait and seek direction from the Holy Spirit. The psalmist said in Psalm 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. And then in Psalm 27.14 says, Wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart. The disciples were waiting to receive the Spirit. If we are Christians, we're no longer waiting for the Spirit to come on our life. Spirit of Jesus already dwells in us. But we're often waiting for the Holy Spirit to give us direction. Show us what it is that we need to do. How how long do they have to wait for the Holy Spirit? Well, they had to wait 10 days, 40 days before Jesus' ascension. Pentecost is on the 50th day, so there were the 10 days in between, and so they were waiting the 10 days. Now, today you can order something from Amazon, everything but toilet, paper, and hand sanitizer. And if you have Amazon Prime, you can get it in two days. But often with businesses, if you call and you say I need that sent to me or I need something done it's often that 10 days to you know, it's 10 days to 2 weeks or something like that that we have and and the uh, the way in which they counted 10 days may have been more like the 5 to 10 days 7 to 10 days, week to 10 days kind of a thing and sometimes you wait well you don't wait at the mailbox usually do you for that to come even if it's 2 days or 7 days you go about your business or whatever it is that you need to do well we're waiting. We're in a wait mode right now. What's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? Uh, well, it's a little bit different today that we're going to go about our business as usual. It was different for the, these believers in that day because they were in the upper room and things had changed in a dramatic way for the, for the disciples and believers' daily routine. But the ability to be still and listen to direction or be able to let go and change what we're doing if the Lord directs. It's critical. If we're going in the wrong direction, the Holy Spirit's leading or wanting to lead in another direction, but we cannot wait or we cannot linger enough to know, then we're going to be out of step of following the Lord God. Waiting for God's never wasted time. There's a time we might tend to worry, a time we might tend to work for God, time we might wait on God. But waiting on God may not mean doing nothing for 10 days. What do, you, what do you call that person who comes to your table when you go out to eat? If it's a him, you call him a waiter. But he's not really doing nothing, is he? He's serving. So what are we to be doing? What do the disciples do while they waited? The, these verses serve as a kind of a summary. They waited in prayer. They took care of needed business, which was replacing Judas while waiting, they prayed and did what they knew needed to be done. While waiting does not mean that we're to be idle, it's more likely doing that which we already know to do, or as they did, doing what we know Jesus had instructed. In Acts chapter one, it was a time for the 120 to come together. Trust God, believe in the promise of Jesus. John 14:16 says, "And I will ask the Father, He will give you another counselor to be with you forever." So perhaps this is a time for all of us to pull together as we wait on the work and the direction of the Holy Spirit, as we're not waiting just for what Fox is going to tell us happens next, but as we wait on what it is the Holy Spirit would tell us even more. Be sure that uh, you balance maybe the, what you get off of social media and on television with what you find in God's Word, which leads us to an, another thing that we find of equality. I consistently spend time worshiping Jesus. How do you spell worshiping? Is it with one P or two? I looked it up. Yes, it's both. You could do either one. But I want you to use two P's And if you spell worship or if you think about worship today because I want you to think of the two kinds of P's in worship. That is private and public worship. Both are essential for a commitment to serving Christ. We've often talked about needing quiet times in prayer and of reading God's Word, waiting on the Holy Spirit, has to do with consistent, quiet times with God. Well, how important is public worship? Can you be a Christian and not come to church and not be involved in worship? Now, I'm not talking about those who are joining us online for purposes today or for their purposes. But maybe you can. Maybe you can be a Christian and not go to church or not be involved in public worship. But you cannot be. A self, excuse me, a serving, servant of the Lord Jesus Christ and public worship or private worship not be a priority. It's biblically impractical, maybe biblically impossible. What did the believers do in Acts chapter 1 and 2? In following what they were to worship Jesus. Acts chapter 1 and verse 14, one translation says, They agreed they were in this for good. Completely together in prayer, Acts 2:42 says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and to prayer. Acts 2:46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Acts chapter 4 and verse 24. They raised their voices together in prayer to God. Acts chapter 5 and verse 12. All the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. In times of crisis, they pulled together. And they were not isolated from one another. What were they doing? Well, prayer was common. There was teaching, preaching, learning was taking place. They were raising voices together. What does that sound like? Sounds like they were worshiping Jesus. Peter's clearly recognized the leader, but they weren't worshiping Peter. James became the pastor of the Jerusalem church, but they weren't worshiping James. Mary, who is mentioned here, I think she's mentioned here for a reason. It's the last time that she is mentioned in Scripture. She's listed here among the because she's not to be worshipped, not to be prayed to. She serves as a worthy example for others but should not be glorified. Why do I tell you this? Because if instead of these being our worst days, may they be among our finest moments of the followers of Jesus. We have to be real honest. Worship must be a priority. Glorifying Jesus and Jesus alone must be the center of all that we do. Ever since we sent the email, the first, second, third, whatever, the email that said we were having worship today and that if you needed help, please let us. or I've had many emails come, many from our deacons and some from others in the church, to say if anybody in the church needs anything, please let me know. I'll be glad to go do whatever we'll go buy toilet paper and medicine or food whatever is needed one person even worked at Walmart and said I'm at Walmart every day I know when the toilet paper comes in so if you need something we've got a people that are ready because Jesus is the center of all that we do well how about this I rely heavily on God's Word when making decisions another quality for Christians who can handle the crisis I rely heavily on God's Word when making decisions We hear a lot about being open-minded today. I'm all for being open-minded today as long as it's with an open Bible. In Luke 24, 45, it says, Jesus opened their minds so that they might be able to understand the Scriptures. When did they understand? Well, after the resurrection when Jesus opened their minds to Scripture. Don't you imagine it was like a light clicking on in their minds? Build the temple in three days. Oh yeah, now I know what that means. The suffering servant in Isaiah, the sign of Jonah, son of man must suffer. One of the things the Holy Spirit does for us is to remind us of God's Word and to bring understanding. All the riches that the Lord wants to reveal to His servants. So in prayer, we need to be asking the Lord to be opening our minds to Scripture so that we might have understanding of the Word of God so that we might be able to apply it correctly in particularly during times of crisis. If there's never a crisis, there's not much faith needed. If there's not a crisis, there's not much direction that's going to be needed. But oh, thank goodness for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit living in us, God's word that we can place our faith in. First Timothy or Second Timothy 1, 7 you you've probably heard it sometime this week, for the Lord has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. The church had business to take care of and Peter was the moderator. Notice the first words that came out of his mouth in verse 16. Brothers, the scriptures had to be fulfilled. He interpreted the Psalms, particularly 69 and 109, of understanding of what took place with Judas and there needed to be another that needed to take his place. And they took care of that business and gave qualifications of what needed to take place. Do we really believe Do we really believe that all things work together for good? How could this really work together for good to those who are called according to His purpose, to those who love God? Do we really believe that? Well, these are the times that we can show that it is that we really believe. We're reminded once again that we live in an imperfect, sin-infected world, and sin continues to spread, and the world has no cure, and there's only one who does. Do you wake up some mornings recently and you think to yourself, this has really been a dream? Or, it's, it's a movie that I've watched. It's not really happening. Or, how about this? It's like an illustration that some preacher would use to show that there is no cure, but the only cure is found in Jesus. Well, it's a very real thing, but we serve a very real God, and we have reasons to believe and to put our faith in Him and to continue to stick to His Word. I got one more couple of minutes left. Hang in there with me, if you would. One more quality of all those who are believers and followers of Jesus. If we're going to make it through this crisis and many others. I'm called to be a witness for the resurrected Lord. I was uh, I was teaching on this passage 30 years ago in this very building, and I talked about how Matthias had become the one who. Was the disciple and one of our members at that time? Not a member now. Came to me, and he seemed really upset. He said, "I can't believe you told them that Paul was the one who was meant to be one of the twelve, not Matthias." And I can see that argument, you understand. But you remember, Paul said he was not to be one of the twelve. He said himself that uh, he was uh, not the one who was going to come and replace. That he was not counted among the eleven. But here we have Peter who was interpreting Scripture as it had been revealed to him by God. His main concern was to select another to be a witness along with the loving. But what he had not seen, which was revealed in Acts chapter 2, that all believers were to be witnesses. I want to make the point that Matthias was counted among the 11, but less than 10 verses later in Acts chapter 2 and verse 4, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the truth in other languages about Jesus. Well, how do you rate this morning? Do you count yourself a part of and with believers? Can you wait on the Holy Spirit's direction? Will you consistently spend time worshiping Jesus with others and alone, private and public? Will you consider the word of God in making decisions? Now, these are important if you're if you're going to thrive in this or any other crisis. But this quality is true if you're a believer. it is true regardless. You are called to be a witness of the resurrected Lord Jesus. Acts chapter four and verse twenty, we find a couple of chapters away, where the disciples said, "For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard." And the question is, will you respond to this crisis or any? other in a manner worthy of your calling as a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ I believe I've got this right March 9th of this week marked the anniversary of the march across the Edmund Pettus Bridge from Selma to Montgomery most of us are aware of the movie Selma came out a few years ago tell about the famous story of events of 1965 Henry Henry Lyons was a pastor died just a few months ago came pastor of First Baptist Church of Selma in May of 1965, two months after the march, after the first march, the real march. At a time when Selma, maybe even Alabama, was not well thought of by the nation, maybe particularly the people of the white First Baptist Church. To hear Dr. Lyons tell the story, he said the first couple of years that I was a pastor there, everything went pretty well and pretty smooth, and church is going well. He loved the people. People loved him. He said, but something really was missing. He just knew something was missing. And he said, he prayed to the Lord. He prayed for a vision. He said, the Lord gave him and the church a vision of why they were there and what they were to be doing. And soon afterward, he put a full page ad in the paper from the deacons and the staff you know, back when people used to read the paper. And the ad clearly stated their intent of loving all people of all backgrounds and all races in the name of Jesus. It's about 1967. That's big in 1967. And for the next two decades, Henry Lyons of the church of the First Baptist Church of Selma became a light that pointed to the love of Jesus in one of the darkest places and toughest times of the 20th century for a small town of Selma, Alabama. I believe because they decided Christ was bigger than any crisis. So today we're just going to resolve Christ is bigger bigger than anything that we could face bigger than anything that the world could face in the midst of this crisis which is perhaps affecting all of us in some way you've got other crisis in your life you've got other things that are going on and taking place so let's just resolve, golly I could have just come up here instead in less than a minute probably but let's just resolve that Christ is bigger And we're going to trust in Him. We're going to respond in faith. And if you don't know Christ today, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior and Lord, I hope today we have served as a testimony to you that God's Word has been a word for you. The Holy Spirit is at work on the outside of your heart, though, but He's knocking. And He said, let me come in. Because Christ offers so much more. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today thanking you for the fact that we have the Holy Spirit living inside us. Jesus Christ has died for us. Holy Spirit speaks truth to us. And it makes a difference in our everyday life. It makes a difference in how we see the crises of the world and the particular individual crisis of our lives may we trust in you even more may we trust you for eternity may we trust you for today and Father we pray if there's one here, one listening perhaps today online or watching online Father we pray that if they don't know Christ as Savior and Lord, today might be the day they don't put that off, that even now even before the service is over or as soon as we finish here today that they bow on their knees and they ask Christ to forgive them of their sin and ask Jesus to come in We thank you for this opportunity to worship together. May it remind us that we can worship alone. We lift these prayers up in the precious name of Jesus. Amen amen. Would you please stand? Song of response today. You're welcome to come to the altar and pray. Maybe you want to pray about the very things that we're talking about. Pray for the coronavirus. Maybe you have somebody that's in crisis in other ways or that this is affecting particularly. Do you want to come and pray for, you can do that. Uh, I'm going to be down here toward the front. I'm going to come. Usually I would say, come and take my hand. Why don't you come?